Thanks, Ben. So I'm going to introduce um, the first speaker in a moment. But this week in, in here, we've been talking about our identity. Uh, we said on day one that you are what you do repeatedly. And for good or for bad, the habits that you have in your life form a large part of the way you see yourself and the way you form an identity. Then we said uh, on day two that uh, you are what the world you live in makes you. And we talked about our culture, that ha- the society that we're in, again, for good or for bad, shapes the values you hold. We looked at sexualization and the need for us as Christians to not receive a lot of the messages, overt messages from our society. Then on the day three with our, our friend Moshtaba from Iran, we talked about you are who God says you are and the importance of learning to pray pray and be alone with God and on that day and the day after it we talked about the interaction between being alone and being with others being alone being with others and the need for a healthy dynamic of both solitude and community in your life so those are four days that we've looked at and today is slightly different from those days we've talked a little bit already together about gifts however I'm going to invite a couple of friends who are going to share really from their life experience um, how God has used the stuff of life, all of those four things probably combined in different ways and the gifts that he's given them to help produce a work of art or a, a journey of God's grace in their life. And they're going to be sharing quite personally about things in their life. So for you guys in the room, I'd really ask you to, to imagine what it's like to be them. They're just a, a, they're your age. They've just finished a year interning in their churches. And so I'd love you to encourage them as much as they can, um, which means unless you absolutely have to, please don't get up and walk out halfway through what they're speaking because that's very off-putting for a speaker. I know you may be bursting to go to the toilet or you may have a meeting they need to go to. If you could just do that maybe before they, they speak or after they're going to speak for 10, 15 minutes minutes each. Uh, I'm going to invite Michael in a moment. And as I mentioned, Michael and Mads, who are going to be speaking, they've just completed something called Impact, which is a discipleship gap year, uh, something that I'm involved with running. If you'd like to find out more about interning in a church or doing New Day internship, do come and speak to me about that first uh, as well. So uh, Michael Bowley, let's make him feel at home and welcome him. Okay, so um, as Jess said, I'm going to be sharing my testimony and I'm going to be quite vulnerable, so I might as well be honest from the start and I'm well nervous, so (laughs) please excuse me if I'm a bit stuttery. But I I grew up in a Christian household. I was born into a Christian family and I went to a church from a young age. Um, I kind of got what the Bible was about. I believed in Jesus somewhat. I don't know how much of a belief I really had, but I believe that Jesus died for us and we go to heaven if we believe in him. But my biggest concern was playing football. Like I was a captain of uh, my football team, and I just wanted to play football every Sunday. But obviously, Sunday is God's day. That's church day. So I used to always have arguments with my parents. It was always, oh, I know the Bible. I understand it. Can I play football now? And obviously, I'm like an eight-year-old boy. That's not going to work. They want me to go to church. They care about me, and they want me to be there. So, as I say, I grew up in this household, but it was never the most loving of household like my dad was always quite a controlling person um, but I never really was affected by it I thought I just went to school enjoyed life I used to always plan a game for lunchtime. I used to have people come up to me and say can we play bulldog can we do this always getting told off because we're not allowed to play bulldog but it's the best game so we always play it um, and yeah I just I grew up thinking that actually Life is, you just live life, if you believe in God, that's it. It's not really a relationship, it's just a belief. And 
where I found my identity, obviously as a young age, was through my father. And he was never the best role model for me. So as growing up, I was around a lot of arguments. He was quite controlling with my mum. He was always telling her, like, he's the household owner, he runs the house. And I just sat there like, okay, this is this is what growing up is. Like, this is, as a young boy, you listen to your dad and that's it. And I never doubted that actually some people were in different situations to me. So primary school was quite simple. It was just going and enjoying life. And I didn't really start thinking about what life actually meant until I got into secondary school. Um, and I left primary school feeling quite popular. Like, I was the oldest in the class. I was quite fast, so that means you're quite popular. And that's just primary school. So I left primary school, but I went to secondary school without knowing anyone. I was the only person to go because I'd moved house quite a lot. And where I ended up living to go to secondary school was away from everyone else. So I had to start uh, afresh, which was quite hard to do. And I did a thing which quite a lot of boys do, and probably girls as well, that when you move and you don't know who your friends are, you act like an idiot and annoy everyone like annoy the teachers, behave badly in class and then all the cool kids are going to be friends with you because you're not behaving. And at first I thought, yeah, this is, this is great. I'm going to be really naughty. I'm going to always get sent out of class and I'm going to have lots of friends. And it never actually worked out like that. I thought that's just the way to do it. And it, life didn't really change until I went to an event called Soul Survivor at the age of 12. Does anyone know what that is, Soul Survivor? It's just like New Day if you don't. It's just a, a different festival. And I was at Soul Survivor and I was surrounded by my church friends and they were all meeting with God and I didn't really, I've never seen this side before. I, I always thought, as I said, that it was just a belief. It's not a relationship with God. It was just you believe in God and you live your life how you want and then you go to heaven because you believed in him. And they were meeting with God in such a, a real, relevant way and I wanted that. So I was praying the whole week, like, come on, God, meet with me. I don't really know what this is, but meet with me. And that was the point where actually I realised I'd never invited God into my life. I never made, this, the, the, made the decision to believe in him. I just grew up in his household. So at 12, that's when I decided to uh, follow him. I invited him to my life on the last night and I came home thinking, great, life is better now. But actually, when it came to it, I went back to school and nothing changed. Maybe I was a bit better with watching my language Maybe I didn't annoy as many teachers or get as many behaviour points, but nothing changed. There wasn't a significant difference in me. And while going through this time, like my home life was still the same. It was still, my dad rules, he's the one who's in charge, and we just do as he says. And it, it kind of sucked a bit. I always tried to find myself plans to have in the evening. I used to go to the skate park a lot. I used to just go out as late as possible and stay away from home life when actually some of my friends would be buzzing to go home because they would have a good family and I just thought that's a bit weird why do you want to spend time with your family loser but no I wanted to be away from that so I carried on that whole year of school and I went to Soul Survivor again the next year and there was a preach that Mike was giving and it like the truth is I can't remember the preach at all but I can remember that actually how I felt and how I felt was life isn't you believe in God or you just have faith. It's actually a relationship. And it was that whole year that I understood, or that, that Soul Survivor, sorry, that year of Soul Survivor is where I actually understood what it meant to have a relationship with God, that he's a living God, that he walks with us through life. And that's when I thought, okay, well, I need to be different. So 
I pray for the whole week saying, God, I want to go back. I want to believe in you. I want to tell people about you. But I was so scared. Like, coming from a primary school with no one, I had to start afresh. And then I believed in God and I thought, if I have to change who I am now, it's been two years and if I'm going to tell all my friends, actually, I'm a Christian. I believe in this God guy. Like, I'm going to have to start afresh again. And I was so petrified. Like, I was so nervous. I was just praying desperately, like, God, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. Because I never really heard his voice. And it was on the last night that uh, one of my youth leaders came up to me and he said, word for word, what I'd been praying for. And I just broke down. Like, I never, ever thought that God would actually speak to me. I thought that, yes, we have a relationship with him. And this whole process of growing up was actually understanding how God works. Like, some people do learn how God works from such a young age, but I never really did. It was just, you go to church, go to school, you live life, and that's it. But actually, I was learning who God was and how much he cares for us. And as I said, I just broke down. Uh, And that was coming into year 10, and that's when my life changed. I, I told everyone that I could tell that I was a Christian, And it was probably the best two years of my life so far, from year 10 to 11. I used to find myself in debates with friends at school, arguing for God, like explaining what I thought about the Bible. They used to come to me with questions. And it's where I I probably learned the most as well, not through Sundays at church, not through my youth group. I learned the most because people would be challenging me and I'd have to go out, I'd have to find the answers, I'd have to come back. And I felt like I was defending God, like I was fighting his corner. And it was great. I had... There was one memory that I really hold like quite highly, and it was just in a boring science class, and the whole class just stopped to listen to me talk about God. Like even the teacher stopped teaching something about biology. I don't know, but they wanted to listen about God, and that was so. Like I started to understand actually, being a Christian isn't just a belief; it is a way of life. It is we choose to believe and walk in life with God. Um, and then I went to college, and I did the same mistake. Uh, from primary school to secondary school I chose a course that no one else was doing I had to start afresh again and it was alright like, but it wasn't the same I'd come from this, these two years years 10 11 of really having debates with people really fighting for my faith and it's, I have to start again and I just sort of lost it I lost my faith to a certain degree that like I always believed but I, I wasn't bothered by it I wasn't bothered to tell people that I was a Christian still went to church still raised my hands in worship still came to True which is our youth group uh, down at Eastbourne but I'd always stand at the back just like if people ask why do you stand at the back it said oh I like to move when I worship and I don't like people watching me but really it's just because I wasn't engaging I didn't want to engage I couldn't be bothered and that was the truth and I think part of that is actually where I found my faith wasn't in church, it was in school. And because of my home life with my dad, I never really looked up to my dad. I never looked up to him as a person who uh, is like a godly figure, someone who I can try and be like. I always struggled with him being the person I've come from. I never liked identifying that he is my father. I always tried to act like I, he was like, yeah, he was my father, but I'm my own person, I'm my own man. Um, so yeah, college was a bit bit rubbish. Like I enjoyed the actual course, but with my faith-wise, it was rubbish, and home life was rubbish as well. I used to, as I say, plan to go out a lot, so I used to go to college, come home, have a nap, and then go out clubbing. Like That's what I did. I didn't want to be at home, and I wouldn't say that I was addicted to alcohol, but I definitely depended on it a little bit for getting out of that situation. It wasn't, I need this to get through, but actually, I don't want to go for this situation so this is a way to pretend that it's not happening this is a way to pretend that my life is great Uh, and through this time is when I really 
started to see the problems in my father and my mum's relationship. I used to always be at home trying to listen in on their arguments because actually sometimes they would just do have their arguments and if we ever walked into a room they would just stop and pretend that everything's fine and I didn't like that. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know what my father was doing, what my mum was doing, why they're arguing. And like again another memory that really sticks out to me is just sitting up in my room crying, surrounded by all my dad's alcohol because he had just told my mum that he's gonna just drink himself to death, like what's the point of living? And I just didn't know what to do, so I just took it all, hid it under my bed and just sat in my room crying and I just didn't understand how I'd come from school following God and on such a high for him to then just because I left and went to college actually I was stuck in this rut of what is like who do I look to I, I can't my faith isn't strong enough to really look to God even though I know I should do I never really felt like I could I didn't feel like I could look to my dad I didn't feel like there was a lot to people to look to the pl- closest person I had was my youth leader Ads. he sat down there and he was the only father figure that I could ever say that I had um, and that was last new day that I came I came here and that's when everything actually changed for me I was just in one of the big top meetings I was just filled with the spirit, but actually I was filled with the spirit, and I think I was filled with realization of actually I don't feel loved. Like I never, I know I've said that like, this is how I felt, and that's all from hindsight. Like it was only at that point last new day that I realized I don't feel loved by my dad. I don't feel welcome in the family. I feel like I am just someone who's in that household until I can grow up and move out. And that's when things changed for me. I, I just realized actually I need to depend on God, that I need to go to him in these situations when I'm struggling when I'm yeah, when I'm struggling with anything Like I need to depend on him and not try and depend on myself, uh, and as Jess said we've, um, me and Mads have been doing impact for the last year, and this whole year has been teaching me how actually I need to drop my independence and actually depend on God and how I need to find my identity in God, and actually through all these hard times is when God uses us the most. Like when, when we're in these hard times, I was saying to Wendy earlier that actually these hard times bring out what we have in us that are God's gifts sometimes. Having to actually use the gifts are going to help us to see what they are. And um, Jez gave me a Bible verse that he wanted me to read out and I didn't quite understand why it was relevant to me. I know it is relevant. It's the Bible. It's God's word. But I didn't quite understand. And it was Romans 8 verse 28. And it says... And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I know that God's got me on his path, and he's had me walking along his path the whole time. But I didn't understand how this hard situation, how not having a father figure in my life affected me. I didn't know what God brought out for good. And actually, it was only last night um, I was speaking to all my youth because I'm moving away in September and they all just telling me how much I meant to them and it was probably the highlight of my year and one of them just said that we're going to miss you so much because you are like a father figure to us and <laughs> that just broke me a little bit still does now because this whole um, this whole time I've always worried about growing up and having to be a father figure to someone else like it's this year is when I've been learning of how much of a father God is to us and not just because he is our father in heaven but what it actually means to be a father and I, that's a big insecurity for me and that is where I feel like God is bringing out he's bringing out leadership in me through this hard time he's bringing out dependence he's helping me to be a better son and I'm, probably because I didn't know how to be a good son to start with
Um, that was amazing. So Michael Bowley, or Holy, Holy Bowley, as he had on his uh, uh, jumper when he left school, um, was in the same school that I never taught him, but um, I'm a maths teacher. He was in my school. And seriously, the legend of the Bowley just goes around the school. Like, people knew of this man of faith. And actually, if you, it, like, from only knowing him through school, really, initially, and then he started coming to our church, um, you don't always know. You sort of see someone, you think they've got mum and dad, they've got a nice house, everything's fine and actually when they start opening up and sharing what they've gone through and those emotions you think gosh everyone looks all right from the outside but inside the house inside the heart things are going on and it can really damage people and as a mum I'm just so aware that I know I'm going to damage my children I, I try the best to love them the way I can but I'm going to hurt them somewhere because we we all get hurt by parents you know we're all human we make mistakes we're working for our own problems it is hard being a parent and actually all of those things affect us but like Michael was saying those things can also be the making of us and just seeing Michael this year he's come in and done a lunch club with me in my school and um, he's just been awesome every time I've said to him oh can you help with this kids club he's there he's running kids groups and my kids love him everyone loves him he's just a father figure I would say is an excellent description to so many people but that gifting has always been in him but actually sometimes our identity and things that get caught up in our lives just with family school friends can really affect us and damage us and actually that's something I'd like us to discuss in our groups really have a think through your lives are there giftings you know that actually that is a part of your character God's put something in you to love those type of people or to be really good at leading or to be really good at that but actually maybe you haven't been mature enough to get dig into that yet maybe there's situations that have just blocked you and like Michael said you know he's gone to festival after festival after festival and it's only was last year at New Day that God powerfully broke in and something clicked and maybe that hasn't happened either so we're going to have three minutes in your groups to have a little think through your lives are there things blocking the way God wants or is there situations that you've gone through that in hindsight you've looked back and you've gone yeah that's really shaped that and actually that's given me such a heart for that or such a gifting or a pursuit for that okay so three minutes off we go right um if god's already starting to stir stuff in you we're going to have a song um at the end about um ashes going into beauty i think is that right yeah something like that um and actually we all go through tough times or things and it might not even be that tough but just it is tough to you you've you've been affected by words or by situations and that is where we want to land today we want it to be a place where you can give that to God and we're going to have ministry and some prayer time where we can pray for you and just see what happens because it is tough like you guys are going through all sorts of stuff and um, we're all different and actually it's just trying to work out who you are in the midst of all this mess um, so now I'm going to invite Mads up. Mads, Mads, is, um, Mads has done impact this year as well at our church in Eastbourne. And she's going to be living with me as of next week. So that's exciting. Um, and she, again, like Michael, it's just been amazing watching both of them grow this year. And I think you're going to be really touched by her testimony. Hi. Hi, Mads. 
Um, I'm Mads. Um, before I start, I'm also very nervous, um, so I'm just going to pray if that's okay. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this without him, so I'm just going to pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you um, that we have the opportunity um, to be vulnerable with one another today um, and be reminded that it's all about you, not about us. Amen. Um, just to say, I do have a bit of a sore throat, so you might not be able to hear me, but I might cry, so that's okay. I'll just blame it on the sore throat. It's all right. Don't worry. Um, so as Jez said, I'm Mads. Um, I'm 19, and I have just finished my impact year at King's Church Eastbourne. Yeah. Um, which is where, I, where I'm from, born and bred, always kind of grew up in Eastbourne. Uh, before I kind of get into it, just to let you know, I find it very difficult to share my testimony. I find it very hard to kind of be vulnerable and be open and be honest. Like, you can give me a 40-minute seminar on history or philosophy or context, and I'll love it. I'll be like, yes, come on, mate, let's go. Um, but if you give me, like, a testimony to share my testimony, I'm a bit like, oh, don't know how I feel about that. Um, and so I am going to be vulnerable with you guys, and I may cry. But again, just blame it on the hay fever and the sore throat. It's fine. It's all right. Um, so yeah, um, I actually first shared my testimony publicly at Impact, um, and I'm sure you already heard all about Impact, but essentially it's a year of your life that you give to God and give to the church, um, and it was actually the first time I'd ever shared my testimony publicly. Um, I shared it one-on-one, like on a one-to-one basis with people, but I'd never shared it in a room full of people, and actually Impact was like the best environment to do that, with people who were on fire for God, that could comfort me, that could encourage me, that were literally just like my brothers and sisters. It was absolutely amazing. I'm sure I shared my testimony there, and Jess was there, um, and so he's asked me to share it today. So, hi, and that's what I'm doing. Um, so, similar story to Michael. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, quite a relatively big family, um, and so I'd been going to church like my whole life. Like, as long as I could remember, I'd been going to church, like since the age of three. Um, and my parents were quite big in the church, so like they had a lot of relationships, and they knew those of people. They had their own life group. They served quite a lot, so they served the teas and coffees. They served in kids' work. Um, and just people knew who they were. They had like a presence about them. They had their own life group. Like people knew who they were. Um, and so people knew who I was. Um, and every time they see us, they say the same kind of thing. Oh, it's the Wheelwrights. Aren't they like a lovely family? They are the perfect Christian family. Like they are so loving. They are so kind. Wouldn't it be so nice to have parents that could lead you into this perfect Christian lifestyle? And they, they used to say this and I'd be like, what on earth are you talking about, mate? Like it just used to always annoy me and confuse me because they could see something that I couldn't see so they say oh you're the perfect Christian family but in reality it didn't really feel like that um, so I grew up in quite kind of a hostile environment like my family just argued day in and day out and I know every family has their ups and downs but this was literally like consistent day in day out um, my dad um, he had quite a short temper and got angry quite quickly um, and um, so, like, he had a full-time job, and he worked quite a while away in Essex, um, and also had a young family. And I think the mix of the two just didn't kind of go together well. Um, and so he kind of used to bring back 
and the stress and kind of the anxiety and everything from work back home with him. And so if I did the slightest thing wrong, like knock a glass of water over, he would literally scream and go mad at me and be like, what on earth are you doing? Um, and so growing up, it kind of felt like I was walking on eggshells just quite a lot, just kind of keeping my, to myself, not wanting to get in trouble, not wanting to get into an argument. Um, I had quite a relatively big family, like I said. Um, so I'm three or five. I have an older sister, an older brother, as me. I have a twin, um, and then I have a younger brother. Um, and growing up, my older sister and brother used to tease me quite a bit. Um, and again, this is quite normal. Like, this happens in families. Um, but this was more like bullying um, than teasing. And like I said, I have a twin sister, and there was a couple things that they used to say to me that really affected uh, my perception of myself, the way that I viewed myself, and who I thought I was, my identity. Um, and the two things they used to say to me were, oh, you're the dumb one, and she's the smart one. You're the ugly one, and she's the pretty one. And although they were joking, because it was just repeated and said over me time and time again, I just felt, this has got to be true. This is who I am. I'm just dumb, and I'm just ugly. Um, and actually, it really damaged mine and my sister's relationship. Um, like, we're best friends now. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but growing up, it wasn't really like that. Like, we genuinely hated each other, and we were in competition with each other, like, all the time. Um, so she cut all my hair off in my sleep one time. She broke my nose. And fun fact about me, she broke these two front teeth, so they're actually fake. Yeah, didn't have the best relationship with my sister growing up. Um, and so that was just kind of my life growing up. That was kind of my childhood. Um, and at the age of eight, um, something very traumatic happened um, that kind of made my childhood go from like bad or like, like not great to pretty much unbearable. Um, and so at the age of eight, um, I was sexually abused um, by someone who was pretty close to me. Um, and I basically just did what any eight-year-old girl would do in that situation, and I just pretended like it didn't happen. I just suppressed it. I was like, you know what, no, that didn't happen. We need to forget about it. It's fine, just get on with your life. Um, but as you can imagine, that's quite a traumatic experience to go through. And so it wasn't as easy as just going, you know what, let's just forget about it. Um, and so I started struggling like, with sleeping. So I started having nightmares and night terrors and sleepwalking. And I basically just developed this massive fear um, and anxiety of just sleeping in a room by myself. Like, I don't know why, but the thought of it just absolutely used to petrify me and absolutely used to terrify me. Um, and I remember there was this one night and my twin sister, she was going to her friend's house for a sleepover. Um, and I was literally begging her the whole day, like, please do not go. You can't go to the sleepover. Like, genuinely, you can't go. Like, please don't go. Because just the thought of sleeping in this room by myself was absolutely terrifying and absolutely petrifying. Um, and I was literally like, oh, like, bring her here. We'll have a sleepover all together. It'll be really fun. Um, but she went because she didn't understand the situation, bless her. She just thought I was scared of the dark. Um, and so she went. And I just remember that night, um, I waited for my parents to go to bed. Um, and I just went into the hallway and grabbed a duvet and wrapped it around me just because I was too petrified and full of fear just to be in the room by myself at night. Um, and I just sat in the hallway and just said, God, if you're real, just please get me through the night. God, if you're real, just please get me through the night. God, if you're real, just please get me through the night. And that was just basically my childhood from the ages of about like eight uh, to 11. 
Um, I moved to secondary school um, and I wasn't quite prepared for secondary school. I was quite immature um, and just wasn't really ready for it. Um, and I went to secondary school and the thing that didn't help was my sister was putting all the top classes and I was putting all the bottom classes. And she had so many friends and everyone loved her and I didn't really have anyone. Um, it just didn't help the labels that were put on me as, oh, you actually are dumb, oh, you actually are ugly. Um, and just in my first year of secondary school, year seven, I was bullied relentlessly, like literally day in, day out. People would just pick on me. Um, I'm quite an introverted person. I'm quite quiet. I'm quite shy. I kind of like just used to like keep to myself a little bit. And I was fine with that. I was fine in my own company. To be honest, I didn't really want to talk to other people because of how I was treated. I just kind of wanted to stay by myself. Um, um, and people just didn't really like that. They just didn't get that. Um, and so they just used to make fun of me um, and call me names. So they used to say, oh, like, you're a weirdo, you're a geek, you're a nerd, just because I used to, like, sit and read by myself. Um, and this bullying... It uh, wasn't just kind of verbal um, or emotional. Sometimes it was also physical as well. Um, so there was this one time um, I was getting changed for PE. And bearing in mind, I was quite a skinny girl growing up, just quite slim, quite lanky. Um, and I just took my top off, as you do when you get changed. And this girl came up to me. And she just went, you are so dis skinny, it's actually disgusting, and punched me in the stomach. Um, and she, as she does, she leaves this massive bruise on my stomach for about two weeks, and I just didn't tell anyone. I just hit it. I was like, you know what? I deserve this. It's my fault. I, I just keep being treated this way. Therefore, it has to be my fault. It has to be something wrong with me. Um, and I essentially just got to this point in my perception of myself and my identity and who I thought I was, where I was like, you know what, people keep on saying these things over me, people keep on treating me this way, I've got to be unlovable, I've got to be unworthy, I've got to be unvaluable, like no one actually cares about me, like, I do not deserve anything, I don't deserve to eat. Um, and so at the age of 11 I developed an eating disorder, and I'm not going to go into much detail about like the eating disorder I had uh, or the kind of the things I used to do just because of the sensitivity of the room. Um, but essentially, my whole life from like year seven to the age of 15 was just about eating. Everything was about being this particular size, being this particular weight. And I used to see girls and be like, when I look like that, then I'll be happy. When I look like that, then I'll be satisfied. When I have that, oh, that's when I'll find my identity. And it, I never got that. I never felt my identity. Just everything, my whole mindset, everything I centered my life around was food and my body and eating. Um, and there was this one thing I did. So I lived quite a while. I lived quite a while away um, from my school. Um, so not that far. Like you, you could get a bus. Um, like if you needed to get there, um, but you shouldn't really walk. Like it's probably not safe for you to walk. It's about 3.1 miles there and back. Um, but because I was just so obsessed with calories and eating and everything, one thing I used to do is so my mum used to give me bus money and I used to keep it and just walk to school and back just because everything was about you know, weight and identity and eating. Um, and just for four years of my life, um, that was just how things were. That was just how my life was. Um, sorry, I'm just going to get a drink. Yeah, so for four years of my life, 
that was just how things were. Um, but I kept on going to church throughout this time. And I'm not going to lie to you, this is probably the bit where I'm going to get emotional. Church is the only thing that kept me going. I genuinely don't think that I would be here today without the church. Like the kids workers, oh, I'm going to start crying now. The youth workers, everyone there. The only reason why I am here is because of them. Oh, sorry, I'm going to get emotional. Um, <laughs> like genuinely, like they just loved and cared for me so much. They were the only ones that showed me support and showed me love and cared for me and actually spoke to me like I was an actual person and treated me fairly. That asked me if I was okay and cared about the answer. They actually cared about me and they were genuinely the only things that kept me going. And I genuinely don't think I'd be here without the church. And so I just kind of encourage you guys, if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I could never do something like Impact. I could never work for a church. I could never be a youth worker. I could never be a kids worker. I could never serve. Like people just don't like me. You honestly have no idea the impact you can make on someone's life. Genuinely, you have have no idea. Yeah. Um, I got to the age of year 10, and, be, and because I'd been going to church um, throughout this time, um, I'd been going to New Day with my church, um, and it was kind of like a one-hit wonder kind of thing. So I'd go every year, and I'd be like, yes, Jesus, I love you. Woo, kind of had this Jesus spiritual high kind of thing, and then come back and be like, all right, moving on. Now she's got on with life. Um, and then New Day came around again in year 10. So I was about 15. Um, and my sister and my cousins were really wanting to go, but for some reason I was like, nah, mate, not really feeling it. Like, I'm just going to struggle in the social situations. It's just going to be really hard for me. Um, like, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. But eventually, after like persisting, um, my cousin and my sister persuaded me to go. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll go, whatever. But I'm not going to enjoy it. I'll be moody the whole time. But I'll go. Um, so I went. Um, and again, the first kind of two days, nothing really happened, nothing really changed. My life just kind of was like, oh, the, the worship's good. Like, it's nice seeing people around. It's all right, I feel comfortable. But like, don't really feel like anything's happening for me personally. But that's fine, just get on with it. Um, and then I got to the Wednesday night, um, and Andrew Wilson came and preached. Um, and he basically just explained the gospel. He basically said that there was this guy called Jesus that loves me so much that he was prepared to die for me. And as he died for me, um, he took my sins and he took my, he took my pain. He took everything. He took my insecurity. He took my anxiety, everything. And this literally blew my mind. I remember sitting there going, oh, my goodness. Like, I don't know if this is true, but I want it to be. Like, I want there to be this guy that loves me so much that they died for me. Um, and in that moment, it kind of went from my head to my heart. So I'd been going from, to church like all my life um, from the age of about three onwards. And so I knew the gospel. I could recite it to you I knew it off by heart in my head but I didn't know it here and in that moment it literally went from here to here and he got to the end of his preach and he basically just said if you as God has never revealed himself to you and you have never felt this love just open up your hands to him and I was like yes like, I want this to be true I want there to be a guy that loves me so much I'm gonna do it um, and as I, I just did and I said a five-second prayer I just said God if you're real reveal yourself to me amen so it wasn't like a fancy theological prayer with loads of words in it or like really long it was literally a five-second prayer that's all it was 
Um, and in, in that moment, my youth leader just came running to me. And like, you have to understand, she wasn't sitting right next to me or two rows behind me. She was literally 20 or 30 kids behind me. And she just comes running to me and says, um, you have just spoken to God and asked him to reveal himself to you. And this is what he's saying. And she picked up a Bible and she opened it up to Songs of Solomon 2.10, uh, which is for he calls you beautiful one, which I have tattooed on my arm. Um, and I literally just burst into tears and broke down. Like No one had ever told me that I was beautiful. No one had ever told me that I was worth something. No one had ever told me that I was loved. And yet there was this guy called Jesus that loves me so much that he was prepared to die for me and that he calls me beautiful and that he calls me loved. And he died for me because I am worth dying for. And literally just everything changed after that moment. My whole life had changed. I literally remember waking up the next day um, and all the things that I'd been doing um, about food and about eating, the thing that had been ingrained into me, the thing that I was kind of obsessed with and addicted to, just went. It just stopped. Like, I didn't feel the need to exercise. I woke up just feeling really hungry and ready to eat. I didn't care about the calories in it. I didn't care how many, what fat was in it. I didn't care about the salt in it. I just I knew that I was beautiful and that I was loved. And so it didn't matter if I was this size or this size because I am beautiful and made in the image of God. Literally everything had changed. Um, I went back home, um, and in year 11, like, things got really good for me, actually. I got a really good group of friends around me. There weren't Christians, but there were still friends that could love me and support me and actually treat me like a person. Um, and then I started serving in my youth group, which is called ID. <laughs> um, um, and to be honest with you, I can't really remember why. So I didn't go in there with like a, yeah, I want to change young people's lives. I'm so amazing. I've got such a heart for young people. I didn't go in there like that. God just told me to do it, and so I did it. And to be honest, he didn't just tell me once. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be obedient to you. I love you so much. He kept on saying it over and over again until the point I was like, okay, shut up, God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen. Um, and so I did it. And actually, the more I did it, the more I realized why God wanted me there. Um, so the more I did it, the more I spent time with young people, the more I started to build relationships with them, the more I started to talk to them the way that they talked to me, um, I actually understood why I was there. I genuinely loved being there and asking them you know, questions, asking them how they were, because I knew how much that could mean to them because of how much it meant to me um, growing up. Um, and during that time, God kind of... Um, revealed my gift of like speaking and teaching and preaching and I'm not going to lie to you, the first times I did it I was literally chatting waffle mate didn't make any sense at all, it was awful, um, but then the more I like surrounded myself with other people who could teach me and help me and help me grow um, the more confident I became in kind of my teaching style um, and it was just amazing, I had these like two years where I literally was just on fire for God, seeking him, reading my Bible like day in, day out, learning to like just love young people and learning to love God. Um, and so I decided to get baptized at the age of 17. Um, and so I did. And then literally immediately after I got baptized, like this massive sense of anxiety just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and it was horrible. Like I'd never had anxiety before. Um, I'd never 
Like I felt anxious and I had fear, but I'd never had anxiety. Um, and it was horrible. Like I didn't know how to handle it. It was just like this feeling of being constantly worried and panicked and frightened of every single situation that could go wrong. And the thing that mainly scared me was going to college for some reason. Um, just being in a class full of people just used to absolutely terrify me. Um, and, and so for about two months, I just didn't go to college, got really behind. So I only have two level A levels instead of three, um, just because I was just so anxious and so fearful about every single situation and thinking of the worst things that could happen. Um, and I, this just really used to bother me and upset me. Um, and so I came home one night after serving at our youth club, um, and I just fell on my knees to God, and I was like, God, what on earth is this? I have literally just been baptized. You promised me this new body. I do not feel new at all. I feel rubbish. I feel anxious. I feel horrible. You promised me this new life. It's got to be better than this. This is absolutely horrible. I don't want this. Um, and in that moment, literally all the pain from everything that had happened that I didn't like, I hadn't processed. So the sexual abuse, the eating disorder, the words put on me, everything just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and I just felt everything. I felt the pain. I felt the heartbreak. I felt the anger. I literally just felt everything. Um, and I just heard God say. Um, in order for me to fix you, you need to admit that you're broken. In order for me to heal you, you need to admit that the pain is still there. You see, this whole week you guys have been talking about identity. Are we what other people think we are? Are we what we think we are? Are we defined by our experiences and what happens to us? Or are we defined by what God says of us? And I think most of the time when we think about subjects like identity and who we are in Christ, our mind goes immediately to gifts. Oh, that's your gifting. That's what you're called to do. That's who you are. And so if you feel like you're called to preaching, um, you're like, oh, I'm a preacher. That's my identity. That's who I am. If you have the gift of prophecy, you're like, oh, I'm a prophet. That's my identity. That's who I am. Or if you're very good at evangelism um, and just preaching the gospel and telling non-believers about Christ, you're like, oh, I'm an evangelist. That's my identity in Christ. But what happens then when you do a preach and it goes wrong? What happens then when you give a prophetic word and it's not accurate and it doesn't make sense and you don't get the result you want? What happens then when you talk to someone about the gospel and preach it and evangelize and they just get angry with you and hate you and just persecute you? What happens then? You see, being a preacher or being a prophetic or being a missionary or being an evangelist, and they are all gifts and they're amazing to know what your gifts are, but that's not who you are. They are gifts, but they're not your identity. Your identity is a son or daughter in God and you can only get to your identity when you're in that place with God when you are on your knees going I am broken I literally can't do this anymore I am so weak I need you to fix me to heal me and to help me that is what identity in Christ looks like not whether you can preach not whether you can share the gospel not whether you can you're a missionary not whether you're a prophetic person it's whether you're a son and daughter in Christ and actually what we need to be able to do is be able to boast in our strengths rather than our weaknesses Uh, in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 it says but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness Um, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me you see if our identity is in him 
if it's in sons and daughters, why does it matter if you can preach and someone else can be a prophetic? Why does that matter? That's not what it's about. What it's about is whether you are a son or daughter in Christ. And actually, we need to be those that boast in our weaknesses rather than our strengths. We need to be those that go, you know what? I am weak. I can't do this. Um, there's no way that I'm going to get through this. I am broken. Um, but you are strong and you are within me and so we can do it together and that is what identity in Christ looks like knowing that he can do it but we can't but together we can um, so I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Wendy um, Lord Jesus, I thank you um, that we could gather here together. I thank you um, that actually we aren't defined by our gifting, Lord Jesus. I thank you that we are defined um, by you, Lord Jesus. I thank you that we are princesses and princesses to your throne, Lord Jesus. I thank you that we are heirs to your kingdom, Lord. I thank you that it isn't about us at all, Lord. It's all about you. Um, and I just pray, actually, um, for anyone in here that needs to kind of let go of pain or let go of anger, that they'd be able to do that um, and they have the space to do that that father and that they wouldn't hold on to this pain and but they would be able to give it to you knowing that actually um your power is made perfect in weakness amen now mads mads just came up and spoke to all of you really confidently and probably about a year ago she would have told you she's an introvert and she couldn't like speak loud and you just think God does mighty works that she could stand up here and be really vulnerable and accountable to you guys about her story and her life and she's just there drinking now brilliant it's so exciting what God can do how God can transform lives it's really exciting so we've got um what are your names May. Meg and Toby, and um, they have a song that they just want to listen to. So um, if you want to just shut your eyes, get yourself comfortable, what we're going to do is we're going to just listen to the words of this song, and then we're going to have some time of ministry at the end. Um, we're officially finished, but the ministry team are here and we're going to stay on, so feel free to stay. I'd love to pray. Um, I was just feeling like God gave me a word, might be for lots of you or just some, but I was looking at this, um, it's not even AstroTurf, is it? Just wherever this flooring is. And um, I know underneath it is just probably a messy concrete slab and it makes this room look really nice. And there's lots of things in life that we can stick over and make ourselves look beautiful or make ourselves look better than we are. But actually underneath, we all know we're like a messed up concrete slab. And actually the only thing that is going to bring us joy, anything that's going to complete us, anything that's going to bring us beauty is Jesus. And like we've heard some amazing testimonies this morning and we've, I really feel like God's been in the room. And please don't go if you know you want to pray. If you know there's stuff you just say, I don't want to wait till next new day to have that story. I want this new day to be the time, this minute right now before the evening meeting begins where I'm going to do business with God. So we're going to carry on playing feel free to stay if you want to come up for prayer we'd love to pray with you if you've got to go and have lunch that's absolutely fine thank you for coming